Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me and tuning into this podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. This podcast is here to open your awareness. I want to provide you with tactical teachings on how to master your mindset, create your ideal reality, overcome obstacles, and leverage adversity. And most importantly, it's to help you realize that you are in total control of your reality. My hope? To inspire and motivate you to keep going. And no matter what, it's all about mind over matter. Be sure to check out my website, heatherhakes.com, where I offer you a free video training on how to get unstuck and create lasting change. Again, that's heatherhakes.com and opt into my free video training. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 257. Whether you want to believe it or not, we are all in the art of selling. Today's podcast interview is all about the art of selling yourself. Welcome to today's interview. I've brought on Anthony Garcia. Anthony, welcome. Heather, thank you for having me today. Give the listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? Yeah, so I live in Bakersfield, California, a suburb about 100 miles north of Los Angeles. I am an executive sales coach and motivational speaker. I majority of my time is spent coaching, training, and advising highly compensated surgical sales representatives, medical sales representatives, pharmaceutical sales representatives, and then I do consulting for small, medium businesses, sales entrepreneurs that are looking to increase their market share in their respective markets. So question on that, because I think the word motivation gets thrown around all the time and it can be so cliche. And so for you to be a motivational speaker, what do you think makes you stand apart from others? You know, it's, it's, it's a great question. And I think the number one deciding factor between working with me and working with others, I'm still in this industry. And so when I tell people, and the majority of my motivation is directed at sales, sales professionals, and I start my message the same. I get paid to speak. However, my income comes from sales. So I do exactly what you're doing. And so when I tell people, I'm not going to give you a fallacy. I'm not going to give you a theory. I'm not going to give you something that I read in a book. I'm going to give you something that I've learned, trial, tested, and aired over the past 20 years of being in sales or sales leadership. So the word motivation really dials into most salespeople need that extra motivation. I think sales professionals and entrepreneurs, people struggle with the mindset of a long-term sales career. So that motivation is, I'm in this industry with you. My income comes from stuff that I sell just like you. And we're going to work together to motivate you to get back on the productive habits, to get back on leveling up the network, to get back on making the income you want. Something that just popped into my mind, when I graduated college, I actually wanted to get into pharma sales because, well, one, there's fat money to be made, but then I got a little shy and and held back because I didn't like the pressure of meeting a quota, and I decided sales wasn't for me, and I think a lot of people are afraid of sales just like they are public speaking, but in reality... Sorry, just in reality, aren't aren't we selling ourselves all the time? You know, Heather, you, you said it best. Every person is a salesperson in some shape, form, or capacity. I truly believe every professional at some point in time should have a sales job in their resume. They should start somewhere because you're selling yourself 
in every every facet of your life. You're selling yourself to your spouse. You're selling yourself to a job interview. You're selling yourself to your spouse's family. I mean, you're always going to be selling yourself. And selling yourself is actually harder than selling a product or service. Because I can learn about a product or service and I can sell it to you. But to sell myself, how do I sell myself without selling egotistical? How do I sell myself by being genuine? I mean, there's so many challenges with it. I come across highly compensated, intelligent professionals, attorneys, surgeons, neurosurgeons that that have retained my services or have consulted with me on, hey, how do I sell my business? How do I sell my practice? And my response is always the same. Well, how do you sell yourself? And it's a, it's a, just a, a, a blank look on their face. Well, my accolades say, you know, I, I went to XYZ medical school and I've done this and I've done this. Okay, well, I can Google and find somebody who does just the same thing as you. So what's the difference from you, you know, and I'll use West Coast, what's the difference from you at US University of Southern California Medical School and University of California Los Angeles Medical School and Loma Linda Medical School? You're three medical schools. What makes you better, right? So it's learning to sell yourself. So to short answer, uh, everyone has to sell themselves in some capacity. What do you believe? Is it a limiting belief? Is it just not knowing a strategy or, or how to express it? But what is holding people back from literally selling themselves? Why me? People have a hard time selling themselves because they have their own self-doubt. What makes me different? What makes me special? And let's think about this. It's 2020, right? Everything has been done before, right? I mean, the, the amount of brand new groundbreaking thoughts or ideas are really, really slim. I mean, it's, it's very finite. So a lot of it's like, well, you know, I can't say this because Tony Robbins said this or, or Grant Cardone said this. I can't, I can't do this because somebody else did this. And so when people have that limiting belief that they can't provide value, then they don't feel comfortable with selling themselves. It's no longer, I, I can't sell myself because I'm not the originator or I'm a duplicate or whatever self-doubt that allows for them to believe it comes off. And so like, if you look in the mirror, it's a really a reflection of your business. If you look at yourself and you say, Hey, I'm powerful. I'm successful. I can deliver. Then it's really easy to sell yourself. But if you look in the mirror and you doubt yourself, any ounce of doubt, you are no longer be able to sell yourself for whatever it is. Are you immune to self-doubt? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone is. 100% agree. I, that was kind of a trick question. But in that case, because self-doubt is, is something we all experience in some facet or another, how have you overcome it? Or is it a morning routine? How do you consistently build that mindset muscle? Two things. I am a big believer in affirmations. 100%. I, I am like my best coach to myself. I am 100% always talking to myself. We, you know, one, of the, one of the fundamental principles on how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie, which everyone should read regardless of the industry, is you give someone a reputation to live up to and eventually they live up to that reputation. So I took that same principle nearly 20 years ago and said, okay, I'm going to give myself a reputation to live up to. So every day I'm going to give myself a reputation to live up to. Is it faking it till I make it? No, because I give key actionable steps of the reputation I'm going to live up to. And you know what? Eventually I live up to that reputation. Do I do it on day one? No. Do I do it on day two? No, but it's a repetitive habit. It's a repetitive behavior. And then I follow that up with, I journal. And for those that, you know, and, and I've, I had a guest recently that I, that I was talking with on a podcast that said journaling was a female um, component. And I'm like, dude, I completely disagree. Journaling mm -hmm. is for anyone. However, 
if I don't write well, I scribble chicken scratch. It's very, very horrible. So I downloaded an app. I have no affiliation, no income from this. I've downloaded the five minute journal app and I love it because I literally can text my journaling thoughts on my phone. At the end of the day, I can take a picture or I can upload a picture from my day and it just rolls. And I've been doing that for a couple of years. So now I start seeing my journal entries from a year ago, from two years ago, and it sees what growth is coming. That's really cool. So quick question. What is this reputation you want to live up to? So I want to be the most impactful, most influential sales thought leader of my time. And I want to do that by inspiring one person at a time. And I tell myself that daily. It's funny. I I just uploaded a video on my social media talking about promoting and and posting on social media. And I share with people, I, I create everything for an audience of one. My message, my blog, my podcast, the book I wrote, uh, my, my constant promotion, my keynote messages, everything is created for an audience of one. And I say, if I can influence and change one person's mind, and then I've done my job. And it's really, um, it's, it's a challenge because there's times where, you know, I, I have to constantly tell myself, so that's the reputation. You're changing one. You're going to influence one person. But in the day and age of social media, inner, uh, instant gratification, instant results, you're like, oh you know, I haven't gotten a lot of engagement on this post or, you know, someone gave me a survey from a message I give that they really didn't like it. What, you know, all of that plays into your mind. But at the end of the day, it's always the audience of one. And I'm very fortunate. And I'm very thankful that a lot of the times when I do deliver a message, I do find whoever that one is. And typically, you know, more often than not, it's more than one, but someone who's reaching out, emailing me, sending me a DM, this is so impactful. Thank you. And that's all it really is. Who's the audience of one I can serve? Okay, so on that note, because I think a lot of people, especially in our industry, growing personal brands out there, every, you want to send a message and you want to hit everyone. And, and ultimately, that leads to dilution because you're going to hit nobody. And so I'm curious, I want to ask you, because a lot of my content, I'm literally talking to my younger self or myself five minutes ago or yesterday. Like A lot of times I am giving myself advice, but it resonates and hits so many people because we're all connected. You think you're going through something that nobody can relate to. And and that's like the furthest from the truth. So do you have somebody in particular you're speaking to? Is it you? Is it a friend? Like how, how does that work? Audience of one. Pardon the interruption. Do you ever feel lost or find yourself stuck in a rut? You want change. Maybe it's more money, better relationships, your health, etc. But you don't know where to start. I get it. I've been there. If you're ready to take the leap and actually make change and progress in your life, I offer a free discovery call to see if my one-on-one coaching program is right for you. Visit heatherhakes.com forward slash coaching for more information and to schedule your call. Now, back to regular programming. You know, so audience of one, when I speak on sales and sales strategies, I speak to a brand new sales professional. When I speak on leadership and leadership strategies, I speak to a brand new leader. And when I get to leadership, I definitely speak to a younger version of myself. When I speak to someone about mindset or motivation, I'm definitely speaking to the younger version of myself because I remember the struggles I had. So when it comes to sales, I, I really, it's a new salesperson. It's, you know, I have an avatar of who this new salesperson is leadership. It's a newer sales leader, typically a younger reflection of myself, but mindset is 
is definitely myself. It's, it's, I'm coaching myself because I recorded, I listened to it at the end. I mean, I've listened to my own stuff, but I'm like, oh man, that's so motivating. Stay, stay on focus, stay on track, Anthony. And you know, sometimes it's just talking to myself. Yeah. And so, something we were discussing before this that I want to dive into is because you are successful and you have done the legwork and to climb to where you're at six and seven figure business. What did it take though for you to level up to get to that next level? To I mean, did you have to let go of things? Was it habits? Was it limited thinking? Like, walk me through that. You know, it's a couple things, but the things that I would say that were most influential and and in order of operations, right? The very first thing that I had to do was give myself permission to do it. I believed for the longest time that I had peaked in my career. I had peaked in, in my in my income. I had, I was in the top income tax bracket. I was making money. I didn't have money issues. I'm like, oh, I'm, I've arrived. I've made it. I can do this. I can afford to go here. And so I, I was just, I was set. However, I started speaking with, with colleagues and peers and a friend of mine had reached out to me. He has a personal plan. And also his, his name's Peter Vu, very influential entrepreneur, helps young entrepreneurs, but he had a book at the time called Six Months to Six Figures. And I would laugh. And then as I started chatting with him, it realized, man, this is, this is a much bigger than six. This is a seven, eight figure business this guy has built. And I'm here plugging away 50, 60, 70 hours a week for an income that I can predict. And he's doing something different. And I, I looked at my circle and I'll never forget that day. I'm like, okay, I went to dinner. I was the most successful, smartest person in the group. Then I went to a social environment. I was that same most successful, smartest person in the group. Now, I don't want to speak bad about the groups that I was at that time. However, I was like, okay, I have to find a way to grow. So first thing was I gave myself permission to grow. And I said, okay, if I'm going to grow and I'm going to achieve, what do I have to get rid of? What do I have to eliminate? So then I looked at the environment that I was in and I said, okay, what habits are holding me back from becoming the version of myself that I want to become? So I identified those habits. And in doing that identification, I also identified people that were holding me back, whether it was relationships, whether it was friendships, whether it was family relationships, there were certain people in my life that were holding me back. So I had heart-to-heart conversations with some people like, hey, here's the direction I want to go in life. This is not a compromise. I need you to either A, help me in this capacity by eliminating this or not speaking to me about this subject. Or if you have a moment of negativity, we need to learn to rephrase it and approach it from a positive manner and look for a solution, not look at the reason why it's happening to us. Um, and so one, those are the two biggest things. I gave myself permission and then I created the environment around me for that level of success. And then I leveled up my network, started finding friends and made friends that were, were wealthier and more successful. And, and I remember I sat at a dinner recently and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm the poorest guy here. And I was like, yes, this is the table I want to be at. Yeah. Okay. Question on that though, is what habits were previously holding you back? Because I want people to think and go, oh, whoa, I'm doing that. Yeah. So a couple of habits that would hold me back. So I, by trait, I'm a natural social butterfly. I love to be out and about. I love to go and have fun. I love to make friends and I still do. However, that became my identity. And with that became alcohol was my identity. I was very well versed in every type of alcohol. I mean, even, even currently in my home right now, I mean, I can go through ages of whiskey and wine and cigars and everything that would came with that partying lifestyle. And I switched my identity from, okay, I'm no longer going to be the guy that goes to dinner and like, Hey man, you pick the best wines, you pick the best whiskeys, you know, all of this. Right. And, and I had to say, okay, am I okay with just going to dinner and having one drink, having two drinks and leaving dinner 
early. And that was how I started. Cause I was always the guy that would close dinner down. I would close the bar down and I was like, Oh, dinner finished. Let's have a nightcap. And, and, you know, sometimes I'd be at a conference or a meeting and we'd start at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. the next day and I'm going to bed at 2 or 3. I'd do a two-day conference. I'd come home and then I'd sleep for two days because I was so tired from living like a college kid when I wasn't a college kid. And two-day conference turned to four and a half, five days of doing nothing, tying some time to spend time with the family. And next thing you know, the project that was on my to-do list didn't happen. So the biggest change that I made was saying, okay, I'll still be social with you. I'll still hang out with you but I'm not going to be the guy that's going to let alcohol control me. And I'm not going to be the last one out. And so I made a motto. I'm not the first or the last one at the bar or the social gathering. And I, I do it by trade. I show up late and I leave early. Now my people who I manage mentor who work for me, they're like, are you going to show up late? Yeah. And I'm going to leave early. Why? Because by that it's my own self-discipline and putting me, I have a bigger goal than this. Yeah. Do you know, I actually witnessed for myself, it was last year I was, I did a bunch of different endurance things, ran a marathon and triathlon and, and it was for me a physical challenge year. And I, and I would still go to social gatherings and I would just drink a soda water. I was fine. I just wanted a drink in my hand. And then the social circle kept asking, Oh, you're not drinking. And they kind of made a big deal of why wasn't I drinking? And, and they thought it was so weird. I could just drink soda water. And then you know, months went by and I, I realized the only thing I had in common with that group was to be drinking. And so I just, it, it's a different point when you realize your goals and your actions maybe aren't in alignment and then maybe having to let people go or to move on. Not that you're better than them, but just that you're no longer aligned. You know, and when that, when you did that and you mentioned right, your, your friendship was based on alcohol, I lost friends during this phase. I went from being the life of the party that says, Hey, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be social and I'm going to leave. And I've, I've had that conversation. I've had that conversation with a lot of people in the beginning. And now my, my circle has changed a little. So now my circle knows when my circle will say, Hey, is Anthony come out for dinner? Yeah. He'll come out he'll socialize and hang out. He'll have a drink maybe two, And then he leaves. And it's been that way. And then it's, you know, when I'm at home, I have, you know, to, to fulfill that need of you, if you're somebody I, I enjoy wine. I enjoy whiskey. I, I genuinely enjoy the flavors. I have them from all around the world. And if you're somebody who enjoys that habit, plan for that habit. And that's really what changed for me was when I'm out in a social environment, when I'm out in a work environment, it was, okay, I'm here to work. I'm here to speak at a conference. I'm here to spend time with someone. That's my objective. If I want to go to a social environment, I literally create, I'm like, okay, hey, what are you going to do this Saturday? I, and people's like, hey, man, honestly, I'm going to take the afternoon off. I'm going to barbecue and I have a few whiskeys I want to try and I'm going to hang out in my backyard. And that's, that's my time. And that's what I'm there to do. So that was the biggest change. And so some people, you know, have like, you know, you know, you're too good to, to socialize and drink me. No, my goals aren't a lot. My goals are a little bit different. And yeah. when I choose to partake or enjoy uh, alcohol at home, it's in moderation and it's on my schedule, not on someone else's. Question for you, because you mentioned that you used to be the smartest one in the room or the group or whatever. And now you recently found yourself at a dinner, uh, quote the poorest, which I mean, <laughs> you're still doing just fine, but to be in a setting like that, have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? You know, yes, I'm not going to say I haven't. And there's times where you sit, I mean, even now there's times where I've, um, you know, I've, I've been asked to speak in certain stages or come in and I'm like, man, I struggle with a lot of the same things that the people I'm speaking to struggle on. There's, I'm not immune to it. And, you know, there's, 
it, there's times where I sit and say, okay, I, maybe I'm not qualified enough. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not talented enough. Maybe there's somebody better. And that, you know, that, that imposter syndrome really comes from self-doubt. It's all it is. It's the little voice in your head telling you, no, today you're not good enough, Anthony. Today, Heather, you suck. No one's going to listen to you. And you, we hear these voices in our head and then it creates, it changes our whole outlook. So what we hear in our head, we start to express to those people around us. And so to, to overcome that imposter syndrome, you know, I've, I, I have a team that helps me overcome that imposter syndrome and that team that overcomes is really, I have an, I have an executive coach that really does work with me. And then I have a, a mastermind group that I'm actually a couple that I'm consistently involved in engaged in with people who are on a similar journey to me with me that we speak once a week. I have another group that we speak once a month and everyone is on a similar growth journey. And I found that when when I'm always engaging with somebody who's trying to do better or trying to improve themselves, I level up my level of self-improvement. And that has been really, really, really impactful in my life and in my business. So this just reminded me of a story my mom shared with me. And I think I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but there's a story of um, it's an Indian grandfather sharing his grandson had asked a question. And so the grandfather was telling him that we all have two wolves inside of us. We have one that is fear, ego, jealousy, envy. And then we have one wolf that is love and knowing and faith and certainty. And so the whole point of the story was, which wolf are you going to feed? And I think that's perfect tie-in for what you just shared is because it's so easy to fall trapped to the ego wolf the fear, the doubt, the uncertainty, but instead let him go. If you stop feeding it with the, the limiting beliefs and the doubt and you feed the certainty and the faith and the, the beliefs, then that wolf or that side of you is what is going to exude. Absolutely. That, that fear, that doubt wolf, and I, I call him the little devil on my shoulder. And I use the analogy with my clients when you have two little devils, you have the good one and the bad one. And the bad one is always going to cause you to second doubt, second, second guess yourself, doubt yourself is going to cause you to impact your life and your business. What you have to do and what I do and is I simply say, okay, not today. And I look at my little, you know, I look at my shoulder, literally, if you're watching the video, I'm like, I look at the good Anthony. I'm like, we're just going to be better this next hour. This one hour, I'm going to be better. I'm going to commit. And I break down my growth habits. I break down my success. I break down whatever I'm doing to the smallest measurable tactic. So let's just say, example, I'm on this podcast right now. My sole focus is to deliver the best message possible while I'm on this podcast. I'm not concerned with what's happening. Uh, you know, today's promotion day from another podcast. I'm not concerned with downloads. I'm not, there's all these things that can be like, Oh, maybe, maybe no one's, no one's liking your last blog. Anthony. Like, I just, I can't focus on that. I have to focus on what's in front of me in the most simplest step and say today, this moment, I'm going to be better. I'm going to give the best effort and I'm going to give my best right now. And then we'll move on to the next task at hand. So when you micro task it, you know, telling the little bad devil to get off your shoulders, pretty easy. Do you think the power of presence and being in the moment is what helps you stay on focus? Absolutely. 100%. I can't worry about yesterday. And if I focus too much time on the future, then I'm not giving my present my best effort. And I believe our most valuable resource and asset we have is our time. And if someone's going to commit their time to me, then they deserve my best effort. Likewise, 
it, that's easy to say when I'm coming to speak with you, Heather, on your podcast. I'm going to give you my undivided attention. I'm going to give you my time. It's easy to say when I'm with a client or you're on a date or you're with your spouse or whatever. It's when you're by yourself that people struggle. So for me, how I work with that is what am I preparing for? And if, if, if I'm preparing to be on a podcast, then my preparation is the equivalent to being in front of you. I need to have everything dialed in and prepared for the time we do come face to face. And I'm curious for your business and, and setting goals, do you like to set goals a month out, six months? Do you have a year, five year? Because I'm sure you've heard like you should have three, five, 10 year goals. And I think for a lot of people, that's, that's too big. So how do you do goal setting? So I definitely run my goals out. I run my goals all the way out 20 years out. I'm like, okay, in 20 years from now, where is my life and what do I want it to be? And what has to happen in order for me to get there? And when you run your goals 20 years out, right, it, it gets a little challenging because you're like, okay, here's where I want to be and here's what I want to be at. How am I going to do it? Well, you just, you reverse engineer it in the same capacity you do small goals. So I take my 20-year goal, I reverse engineer it. And in my 20-year goal, there's a little thing that says eight figure. I don't, I don't know right now what that eight figure uh, year is going to be. I don't, I don't have it dialed in. I know it's there and I have ideas and I'm brainstorming, but I know by a certain time, this is where my metric will be, which then, okay, so here's my 10 year goal. My 10 year goal is to have this eight figure year or seven year goal. And you reverse engineer everything back. And as you reverse engineer, everything gets a little bit more clear. You get a little clarity on everything. And as you progress on your goal ladder, clarity starts to happen. But that only works when you have a strong foundation. And the strong foundation is like the immediate goal. Here's where I want to be. Here's my identity. I talk about in my book who I am and what are my core values today. And when I hit or fail my goal, is who I am and my core values going to change? My answer, will I change? Absolutely. Will my core values change? Probably not because my core values are based on faith and humanity and who I am as an individual. There's certain things that I will not compromise and as long as I can look myself in the mirror and say I've done everything along my core values, I'm pretty content with where I'm at in the goal process, knowing I'm not going to hit every goal, but I'm going in the right direction. You speak my language. And a lot of things you said is to have the end goal, to know the end goal, reverse engineer it, to create clarity, but you have to have a strong foundation. And I want to ask you, what does that mean? What is your foundation based around? So uh, we can, I'll, I'll give you my foundation, both business and personal, you know, business, we talked about being the most dynamic, influential sales speaker uh, of my time. And so my foundation on that was, okay, well, how, what, what is it that I'm going to do that's different? And the, the big thing is, is I'm going to teach people how to get over being complacent. I'm going to teach people how to believe in themselves in a way they've never believed in themselves before. And so that was that foundation. So now Every message, every blog post, every action, every course, every product is designed under those principles. Is this going to give somebody the confidence that they're going to be better or is this giving them the skills that they're going to be better? And if it is, then I move forward. And if it isn't, then it doesn't really fall in line with my foundation because as you start to grow a business, you have a lot of things coming at you saying, hey, do this. You can make money doing this. You can make money doing this. And if it's not within that core foundation, then my business doesn't grow. Personally, it's almost the exact same thing. I say, okay, personally, what is my foundation going to be? Uh, well, I'm going to be a father. I'm going to be a man of faith. I'm going to be a husband. I'm going to put my life together in a certain capacity. And if it doesn't fall in line with these core values, then I'm not going to do it. I love that. Then question for you, what is a key takeaway you want listeners to get from our conversation? I think the number one takeaway is you have to be able to give yourself permission to get better. 
you have to be able to turn around and tell yourself, you know what, I'm going to level up my life. I'm going to level up my income. I'm going to level up my health. I'm going to level up my network. Whatever you're trying to improve, give yourself permission to do so and give yourself permission by saying, I'm going to exclude anything that's not aligned with this mission. I can't go north if I have friends or family that are pulling me east and west. And give yourself permission to exclude and go in your direction, knowing that people here, you could love somebody from afar. You don't have to be with them in constant contact, knowing that they're going to pull you down. And those, those conversations, 100%, I want your audience to hear. It is okay to turn around and tell somebody, hey, man, I have a huge goal I'm working on. I might not be as available as I have been. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I don't care for you. I just want you to hear it from me first and not think anything bad. Have that conversation. And you can have that conversation with loved ones, family, friends, brothers, sisters, et cetera. I've had that difficult conversation with people in my immediate family. I'm like, hey, until I either get here or B, you make a change in your life, our relationship might be a little bit different. Yeah. So I that's the that. takeaway. Give yourself permission. So well said. Okay, so a couple rapid-fire questions for you. Okay. The first one being, what is a quote or motto that you live by? There is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. And it's funny you say that. I literally have the plaque right on my desk. So it is, to me, when people want title or recognition for success, progress and advancement stalls. I don't care who gets success. I just want us going in the right direction. Awesome. A book you are currently reading or highly recommend? Ooh, my industry trade secrets. So uh, there's so many books that I highly recommend it. Currently reading, um, I, I just ordered Influence yesterday. And it's by Dr. Robert. I'm a butcher, his last name, Caldini. And it's a book, 30 years old. It talks about the six fundamental principles to influence somebody. And it's about 300 pages long. It's definitely a in-depth book. And I read it 10 years ago and I just repurchased it to reread it because a lot of what I do in my business and my career is sales and influence. And so sometimes it's nice to go back and refresh some of the core fundamentals that I've created my business around. Yeah, totally makes sense. Uh, Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? (laughs) Spend less money. So I would tell my younger self that there is no such thing as instant gratification. You're not going to feel rewarded in life for trying to keep up with the Joneses. So I masked my identity in material purchases. I masked my identity in status, the type of car I would drive, uh, the places I would eat dinner, the type of wine I would buy, uh, anything. And so I use monetary uh, rewards to mask who I really was and what I was struggling. And all that created was when I got into my mid thirties was, Hey, you, you need a true identity check. Who are you really? What's your business about? What is it? And that's when I really hit that point where I was like, okay, I've done such a good job masking myself that I'm, I'm now I'm plateaued within my circle. And I literally just did a revamp and said, okay, I'm going to start from the ground up and I spend less money when I was making more money. And I've saved more money, which has been really helpful. What I love about what you just shared with that is it's okay to have like a refresh and a restart. It's okay to kind of like you said about giving yourself permission, but to, to not, to let go of an old identity that, that wasn't authentic to you. 100%. And I, I, I truly believe there's no age limit for you to have that conversation with yourself. There's no, there's no set in stone. You can't do this. I just, I just coached my mother recently 
who retired after 30 years of the state job, became a real estate agent. I literally just coached her on her mindset all over again. I'm like, mom, you, you are re-identifying yourself. And by re-identifying and rebranding yourself, it is okay. I know you're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a later age woman. I'm like, so my mom's age, I'm starting a new career. People look at me funny. I'm like, no, dude, own it. You, you are going to, you are going to own this and I'm going to teach you how to own it because it is okay to start over because you know what? There's a 22 year old kid watching you and you're inspiring, motivating them because they're doing the same thing from they're rebranding themselves from when they were 18 to 22. And when we're young, it's okay. Everyone's like, and we've all said it when we're young. Oh, I, I did that in my twenties. Right. I'm 25 now. I can't do that. Or I'm, I'm, I did that in my teenagers. What happens when we get to our thirties and forties? We, we don't say that anymore. Of course, just own it. I'm going to change who I am. Yes. What a great note to end on. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story. Heather, thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Be sure to sign up for my free video training on how to get unstuck and create lasting change at heatherhakes.com. And I'd love to connect with you on the social platforms. You can find me on Instagram at heather.hakes, Facebook, Heather Hakes, and YouTube. Guess what? You got it. Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode.